I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop podcast. To find out about our upcoming events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events. Hello, everybody. Uh, we're coming to you live from the London Review Bookshop with a guest who has established himself really over the past decade as one of the world's leading novelists. Um, and surprisingly, he's done that without having to go to the effort of making things up because he's a master of what's called autofiction, mining the incidents of his own life, both tragic and sometimes comically embarrassing, for his great six-volume novel, My Struggle. Now, though, nearly ten years after he finished My Struggle, he's publishing another novel, and this time it's pure fiction, uh, as you'll be relieved to hear when you hear about some of the horrible and creepy and strange goings-on that happen in it. Uh, it's been described as a move into Stephen King territory, but it's also very recognisably a Knausgaard book, it's long, gripping, and it has a, an insight into the way the human mind works that makes you feel the author has been spying on your inmost thoughts. The book is called The Morning Star, and the author is Karl-Uwe Knausgaard. Welcome, Karl-Uwe. Thank Uwe. you. Uh, and we're going to start uh, off by having you read a, a little bit from your new book. Yeah. Yeah, it's called The Morning Star, and I'm going to read the part where The Morning Star appears for the very first time in the book. The road led on through an area of forest, the trees standing darkly on either side. In the daytime, you could sometimes glimpse the sea between their trunks, and it was always hard to tell if the rushing sound you could hear came from the trees or the waves running against the shore further down. I lowered the window and tossed my cigarette out, lit another, and took a swig of whiskey. I put the bottle in the drink holder and couldn't believe I hadn't thought of it before. It was secure there, even without the top on. There was a bend in the road, after which I emerged onto the outstretched plain that made you think you were somewhere up in the high fells. Suddenly, there was a crunching noise from under the wheels. It sounded like a series of small explosions. I slammed on the brakes. Was it a flat tire? No. There was something on the road. All over the road. They looked like pebbles. But they were moving. I opened the door and got out cautiously. And then I saw that they were crabs. Crabs in their hundreds. They made a ticking sound. Bloody hell. 
What was going on? I went back to the car and got in and shut the door. They kept coming, crawling out onto the road from the grass. I gulped some more whiskey and lit another cigarette. It was like they were answering the call of some other power, as if they were drawn by a light. But on land? Ah, they were stared by instinct, and why shouldn't instinct break down like everything else? I sat for a while, hesitating to turn on the ignition. There was no way I could carry on without running them over. Then, just when I got myself together and put the car into gear to slowly make my way, the sky flared over the ridge at the end of the plain. It looked like the forest was on fire. But it was a heavenly body, I realized, for the light ascended into the sky, separating itself from the ridge in moments. It was a star. And what a star. I killed the engine and got out, leaned back against the car and gazed up at it. Behind me, on the passenger seat, the phone lit up again. Thank you so much. It's just, yeah, the shivers going down my back, it's really almost like something from a horror film. And that's just the start of the strange happenings that are going to occur in this book. Um, but I thought we'd start um, talking about your return to pure fiction, because yeah. you, you wrote, you started your career writing, um, I guess you call them fictional novels, um, uh, out of the world and a time for everything. And, and then you really left pure fiction behind for a long time. I think you said you, you, you had a problem with fiction or you felt fiction was an inadequate way of writing about the world. Uh, well, not in general, but for me it was. Mm. Um, and that was the reason I wrote my struggle, really. Uh, it felt like everything was kind of turned into fiction and used. That's a fiction. Uh, there's a way of narrate something mm-hmm. that doesn't correspond to the way I feel and the way I experience things. You know, like this is the difference between that kind of thinking and that way of writing and the real life. So what I wanted to do then was. Because I was writing about the death of my father, that was what I wanted to write about, and that was this is what the book is about. And I tried as a novel, it didn't work, and then I just throw all of that overboard and, and, and try to write as directly as I could about what I knew. Uh, but that doesn't mean... I, through that period I read fiction, love fiction, it's it's not that. It's the way. It's not like the novel because mm. the novel can do all kind of things. You know, it's it's, it's more like the feeling that everything is become a story. You know, mm. and if you are in that story, there's no way to recognize the way it's described. It feels completely different. So it's kind of like the narratives that the media follows. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, Morning Star is your first major novel, major work, really, since the end of my struggle. So it's probably about nine or ten <coughs> years between the two. So yeah. did you deliberately decide you weren't going to work on a huge project for a long time, or did it just happen that way? did just happen. I mean, I wrote every day. I've written every day since yeah. my struggle and published, maybe published 10 or 12 books or something in that time, but all kind of minor things yeah. and essays and works about artists and stuff. Uh, and it was no desire to write a novel, but I, I, I had it in mind and I've been thinking a lot, I've been reading a lot and 
and kind of just one day, people I had to had to start, and I started, and and, and then as the novel. <laughs> so, and yes, but um, as you say, those those minor works you call them or shorter works over the past decade essays, book about football, which uh, I greatly enjoyed, um, and the seasons books. Again, there's a lot of writing about yourself in in those. Some writing about your family. So with this book, does it feel very different to go back to total fiction? Not really. Not really. Uh, it, it feels like, to me, writing is writing. Mm-hmm. So even if writing letters has mm-hmm. a kind of a, that value to me as the act of writing, not reading it, but the act of writing. So I think more I, I write and I write books and, 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 you know, different kind of things. And it's like it goes, the years go by and it mm-hmm. comes this and that and then... Then I end up here in this book, and it's it's not really different to write, but of course the, the what I'm looking for is completely different mm-hmm. in this book, and I try to use fiction and the tools of fiction to get somewhere to understand something. Mm-hmm. So in this book, it's kind of important. The one thing I thought before I started it was that it should be many narrators, mm-hmm. should be in many persons, many people, and many people's life, like a choir of of those people, because that is basically the opposite of what my struggle is, which is yeah. the world in one person. And this is like many worlds. And then the tension, some of the tension is what's going on between those worlds. And, and, and there is also a sense of that each person has restrictions, mm. has limited knowledge. And they all are part of the same world. They all see the same morning star and they all think about that, but in very different ways. And I think that's, yeah, that's how life is and that's how we are. Uh, But that was very much what I aimed to do in in this book. So, yes, we have, I think I counted nine um, characters we hear from the viewpoint of. There's there's many characters in the book, but um, some of the people you're writing as there's a, a literature professor, there's a priest, a woman priest, a journalist, a nurse, there's a nursery school worker. So you know, you're, you're wanting to get into as many people as possible. At least there should be a, a, a kind of a variation between their you know, experiences and insights. Uh, so there is a difference in ages and sexes yeah. and, and also what they're doing, their occupation. But yeah. Um, and I didn't kind of you know, picked them deliberately. It was just something that turned up one by one when yeah. I was writing. Um, so it's a kind of a, it's not like a blockbuster movement from A to B yeah. to C. And this is like yeah. very much different yeah. kind of paths and patterns and things going on in it. And was it difficult to get into the heads of some of the characters who are obviously totally unlike you which is which is not what you were doing in my struggle yeah it was very difficult um that was i started with a woman mm-hmm. character and that, and that i think I, I struggled with writing that for months really mm-hmm. if not more mm-hmm. um and the problem was that i since it wasn't me, and since it was a woman, I felt like it was a lot of things I wasn't allowed to do. I felt I was very afraid of doing mistakes, uh, you know. And if you're afraid of doing mistakes, then the writing isn't isn't very good. It becomes very stiff and dead almost. 
So uh, I needed to get rid of those restrictions and try to just write mm. and not think this is a woman in any, any way or that she's very different from me, but just go in there and... So what you do or what I did is to you, you draw on your own kind of emotions and, and feelings. And for instance, there's one young girl, she's uh, in her early 20s, she's like 21. She works at the supermarket. Uh, she is very brilliant, but she is also incredibly shy and, and have difficulty with being with other people. So she was studying, couldn't do it, couldn't face it. So she went to that job and... and the way I dealt, and she's very lonely. So the way I dealt with that is, of course, I, I put in all my own experience of loneliness yes, when yeah. I was 16. And and, and and I don't think that's very different from being a girl or a, yeah. or a boy at that age. It's the same. Uh, you are very vulnerable and you are, you know, exposed somehow to where you are and who your parents are. And, and I just draw on that. And, and, and it's basically the same with all of the characters. Mm. So it's... Um, it's not in any way self-biographical, mm. but still, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it, it comes from somewhere. The the emotions mostly, or the feelings, or whatever. And um, it's characters so different from you. Although the, the first chapter, uh, Arna is the character. He's a literature professor, and he actually he does he does ring some familiar bells because he's um, uh, he has this. Preoccupation with mundane details, which <laughs> is yeah. familiar from my struggle, and he worries about looking masculine, and and his children, and his wife is ill, um, and it, that sounds a familiar note, but it's almost like you're playing with us because suddenly the book becomes very different from what we expected. Yeah, and no, I wasn't wasn't playing with it, but um, there are something in that story that I'm interested in, and uh, I. I knew that, you know, that could be the way people thought about it. Okay, that's him. Uh, but exactly, he's departing in ways. So for me, he was never even close to me. Mm -hmm. But then I have now like a, a, a language and a way to write about things. And, and I think I used that more in him than in, in the others somehow. Um, but what I'm interested in that story is, is uh, many things. But one of them is, and that's, something that goes through all of them is what is reality, what we see, mm -hmm. how we perceive the world. So you have one person, that's the young girl. She sees a fire and uh, she kind of gets terrified, it's burning, mm -hmm. and then it isn't. And that was uh, something uh, I thought about. I was in, uh, in Albania, actually, uh, doing a, a reportage uh, about uh, brain operations. And, and there was someone there that had a brain tumor that saw things that didn't exist, mm. which is incredibly scary. And it is like it's real, mm. so you just don't know. And it's the same in the, the state of mind of, of uh, the wife in the first chapter. She's uh, getting into a psychosis. And when you are psychotic, you see things that doesn't exist. You understand mm -hmm. them differently. Yeah. And there are many kind of those borderlines in the book between what's here and what we see and what's real and, and, and not. In many levels, this is one level and there are other levels. And that interests me a yeah. lot. Yeah. And it has to do with, you know, with some of what I've always been working on. What's reality? What's, what is it we mm -hmm. see? How much can we... Trust, trust it, mm. 
in my struggle, it was you could it's obviously that the character doesn't understand yes. everything and, and do you know, but you as a reader could see mm. a more whole picture. Mm. And this book it goes kind of even more into that yeah. that area somehow. Yeah. And it's of course there's this great device, the star, that um, appears in the sky. So all the characters some of them know each other and some of them don't, but they're all the star is there as a sort of fixed point for all of them. Yeah. Um, exactly. But at the same time, they're also um, living their lives. They have their normal problems to deal with. The star, uh, although it's very disturbing to have this new star appear in the sky, uh, it's kind of in the background for all of them. Yeah. The the novel takes place in two days, and it's like the end of the first day the star appears. Um, And they all try to uh, make sense of it. They all try to put it into something they already know. Mm. But the thought of the morning star for me was to have something in a book that have that you don't know what it is. Mm. That's not established. That's kind of out of the categories. Uh, and that's very scary. Mm-hmm. Everything that's out of category is scary. That's why, you know, the horror yeah. films are scary yeah. because that's what's happening. And it's the same with other things in the book. It's like the line between life and death mm. becoming blurry. So you're not even sure if, if the dead is dead, mm. you know, and that's scary mm. to me, and yes. to me at least. And so it's, it's, it's entering into those kind of boundaries between established categories and the morning star is kind of, I've never seen anything new in my life that have, that have no explanation. Yeah. It's like, there's no mystery. Mm. There's nothing because we have an explanation for everything. Mm. And if we, we don't, there will come one, you know. And and it's just very interesting because the explanations often don't explain anything. Yeah. You know, if you go into, for instance, you know, uh, nuclear physics or whatever, it's, it's yeah, it's described, but it doesn't explain it. It's yeah. like it's the mystery, it's still there. And I wanted the mystery to be bang, present mm. in front of all of them somehow. And... They deal with it, like put it into something normal, almost with one soul of them. Yes. And some of them don't even care about it. Yes. So all the different attitudes. Um, and I think this is the first, do you think, in a trilogy or, mm. or you don't know a series? I don't know. I, I never plan. But you, you've done this. Yeah, I realized when I wrote this that it has to be more. So mm. I've written one more. That will be out in Norway uh, at the end of this month, actually. And then it has to be one more because the story isn't right. <laughs> done yet. But I don't know yeah. where, where it's taking me. I have really no idea. And will we know more about the the star and what it means as the books go on? Yeah. 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 It, 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 it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, the story has just begun, and, and it, but it still is... Um, standalone books it has this and that's the point also that it will be shaped like yeah like a a, a total novel and then it will kind of uh, depart in different um, ways yeah so we'll probably get the next one in about a year so it's very very exciting Um, yeah i guess so one of the themes of the book i think it seems to be about, about the limits of rationalism as a way of describing the world. And one character says, you know, the, the irrational world 
people who believe it, it's confined to its own space, like the children's table at a grown-up party, um, which is a great way of looking at it. And I'm very aware that uh, the characters are not expressing your opinions, but it, I do get the sense this book is saying there's something almost unhealthy about relentless rationalism that doesn't admit of any other explanation viewing the world. I don't know about unhealthy, but it's like it's it's uh, it's not. It doesn't feel like it's enough. Right. It does. It feel like it's just a tiny part of the of the of the whole picture, mm. and we have followed that path, and it's led us into into to a lot of places where I'm not sure really it's that great to go. So, yeah, that's part of the book. Uh, but it's also a, a point of having many different narrators is that yeah. it, it seeks out as some sort of complexity. And it's very important that the views are the views in the book. Mm. So there are many views in the book. There's not like I haven't written about my opinions mm. at all. But I am very interested in, in, in exactly that. Um, and it goes into many things. It goes into the way we we you know use nature for an own purpose, mm-hmm. like in, on an industrial scale, use animals on an industrial scale. It's like it's, that's that's part of our world that mm. we completely accept, and it's and it's in some way it's good, but also yeah. But that's not that's kind of the could you say the subtext of the yeah. book? Yeah. So I'd, I don't write directly about anything of this, no. but I, I want because that would be like preaching somehow. Yeah. So it's much more interested in opening up, uh, seeking complexity, seeking kind of multi-layered. Mm. Yeah, and also the characters. Some of them are very simple when it comes to yeah. to uh, thoughts and thinking and understanding. So it's. That's interesting what you say about not preaching, and um, because in the passage you just read with the crabs, it's and a lot of this happens in the book. It, it's animals or aspects of nature behaving in a way you don't expect, which may, makes us think about um, you know the environmental crisis at the moment, even if it's not addressing it yeah. directly. It seems to be there at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is one of the things I had before. I started this book was the sentence that's not in the book, but it was for me like we have turned our back to nature. That's kind of that's where it starts. And there's also, I think we can say there might be the odd ghost in the book, um, but I, I, I don't see ghosts in this book as being benign or malign. They just sort of they're there, aren't they? Yeah, something have happened between boundaries between life and death, mm. probably or maybe I don't know, but connected with. With the Morning Star, not know how much. You can, it's yeah. not. It's not like it's a it's a it's a plot oriented book. No. So I can't tell the yeah yeah then. But it's it's um, there is an essay in the book written by one of the characters, which is about death. What's that death for? Can we imagine a world without death? And I felt when when I wrote that that it's. It's like death is like an abstract idea, mm. and and it isn't. It's very real and it's very physically and it's very, very, very mm. horrible. Of course. Uh, so then I kind of 
moved uh, essay into more like his life and and then he takes the train and then he meets someone on the train start to talk with him and then you we are in a story which has to do with a real mm. occurrence of yeah. of death and and that's where the ghost mm. is coming in and that's a self biographical story the first part of it right because i did when i was in my 20 took the train from oslo to right. to bergen uh in a sleeping coach two beds so I shared with someone and he sat down uh, started to drink he was my age he offered me so we, we uh, took uh, a bear with him and he started to tell me these incredible stories from his life like he was completely open but one thing he said he was um, he was a doctor uh, at uh, nowhere to go with helicopters and mm-hmm. and he said when they landed the scene where uh, where there was medical urgency he started to see there was always someone who the other didn't see that wasn't there uh, and he started to think about what that could be and he was kind of intensely serious mm-hmm. it was like so he had seen those people that didn't exist what was that where they did dead mm-hmm. and it was like you know in a little fjord landing there's someone there so I kind of used I didn't use him but I used that story to enter it and then it kind of explodes almost from there and then the book ends. Uh, but it's not that the, like I believe in ghosts or anything like mm-hmm. that, but it was it was such a powerful story. Yeah. And I started to imagine what if what if that was true? What if that's what it was and, and so on and so on. So this is a book about crossing those yes. you know, into, yeah, into boundaries, yeah. 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 Um, it's interesting what you say about that, that last chapter. It starts with an essay, and then you felt the essay was too detached, almost. From... No, it was, it's, a, it's a kind of an intellectual yeah. uh, essay, in a way, you know, almost. An, it's not an academic essay, but it's it's like that. It is about ideas. It's an essay about ideas and the idea of death, and and it goes through the history of uh, how people have understood death and, and the underworld. Uh, and and there is a realization in that essay that this is still kind of abstract and it's still up there and it's, it's yeah it's literature it's not real and then it kind of goes into to real and one of the um, things discussed in that essay is it's almost it's it's not so much whether ghosts exist that's interesting it's more why do people believe in them and why do yeah you know why does one generation believe in them. 200 years ago and now we don't but if we had lived then if, even this, if we were the same people we would think differently yeah exactly i got this book brilliant book it's about uh, it's uh, paintings from uh, of phenomenons that have occurred in history mm-hmm. and it's from i think it's from like 1400 or something and 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 the phenomenons are you know it's like it's like two suns all of a sudden mm-hmm. Or it's like a new star. What's that new star? Like, let's say it was yeah. in 1265, there was a new star. Mm. And they obviously saw it and obviously believed in it. And I thought, what if we see that? What's, you know, what's yeah. happened? What's yeah. changed? It's the idea that living in 1265, the world is completely different mm. because you believe in completely different mm. things. You have a completely different worldview. So the world is different. And that kind of thought that we somehow constructs our own world is is also central to central to this book because i put the star 
from 1265 into her and says it's, yeah. it's actually happening. And it yeah. was actually happening then, Yeah, it seems like. Yeah. But we don't know. And um, this is a pandemic novel in the sense that you wrote it during the pandemic, didn't you? Yeah, um, like two-thirds of it I wrote in lockdown here in London. And um, you think that the lockdown, the pandemic, seeped into the book in a way? Yeah, 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 it did. Uh, I wasn't aware of it, uh, but I could see it clearly afterwards that there was something with um, the feeling I had at the beginning, especially at the lockdown, where you had a threat that was outside and it was, it was a major threat and we didn't really know what it was. We didn't really know how it would end. And, you know, you saw people with masks and I've never seen that before, gloves and, and you heard ambulance all the time and it was, it was threatening. And then on the other hand, we had kind of the family life. Everyone has to be indoor, you know, yeah. it was, it was, it was um, which was, uh, yeah, a very nice thing. Yeah. But, but then the dynamic between threat outside and, and, and everybody had the same. You know, everybody had the same experience of what's happened outside. Uh, it wasn't like I couldn't call anyone and say, do you know what's happening here in London? Because mm. it was happening everywhere. Yeah. It wasn't a way out of yeah. out of it. It was like it was everywhere. I never experienced that <laughs> before. And But the kind of logic to that situation is the logic in, in that book. But it, that's, the, that's the only similarity, yeah. really, that there is something threatening, unknown, and it's outside, and it's we don't know how it will affect us. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But, but that was, um, yeah, that's obviously a part of it. But also, at the same time, the sense of people are carrying on living their lives and dealing with their emotional crises that they happen to have been in the middle of anyway. Yeah, and and then the sense of what happened in the in the pandemic was how it didn't take long before it was kind of everyday life normalized yeah, in yeah, a way and we, yeah. we lived with it and we still do you know yeah, yeah. we incredibly to adapt to situations and 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 yeah that's kind of basic human nature i think and people always ask writers you know was it very different for you because you know, you're at home writing anyway rather than going out to work in an office yeah, but the difference was at the house normally i do it and i'm alone in the house yeah. now the house is full with, yeah. with people which was great, it was, but it's, it was, yeah, it was all kind of things that period, of course. So you, you learned, you know, how to work with people all around you? Mm. I, I know that from before. Right. When I started out as a writer, I thought I could only write, you know, in, in majestic solity. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I traveled to uh, isolated islands and, yeah. and uh, lighthouses I brought mm. in. And and I didn't really write well. I mean, I could stay two months on an island without being able to write, ex just because it was all empty, you know. But then I got children. I got used to dealing with all kind of stuff and writing. So the thresholds of writing kind of went mm. drastically down, and that made it much much better for me to write. Mm. And it's it's much better to to treat writing as something almost like taking the dishes or whatever, but yeah. something you do, something you're in. So you're in in family life and in normal life, in writing. It's like, so that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, very much 
an experience I had through my struggle. Right. Uh, that it was kind of, yeah, it was yeah. part of the same, not the same process, of course, part of the same life. Mm. It wasn't isolated very much. Yeah. So just an ordinary part of life. Exactly. Yeah. And you've uh, lived in London for a, a few years now, is that right? Yeah, I've been here four years now. Yeah. And I think you said you, you might write something about London uh, soon, or you're contemplating it, is that right? I am very much thinking about you, that, okay. yeah. But I don't know how long time it will take before it's possible, because when you when you first experience something, it's, it takes a while because mm. before it kind of sinks in and you can write about it in a natural way. But I do want to do that. Um, also because I have all my books has been like, it's Norway, it's Norwegian landscape, mm. it's Norwegian mentality. Yeah. So in the next book, it, it's actually half of it is in Russia. So I try to move, <laughs> to move out. But then I do really want to, to write about uh, the feeling of entering a new country, mm-hmm. the, all the things that you don't, you know, really understand and try then you start to understand it. And, and I, I'm a, I've always been um, an Anglophile. You know, because of the music and the football. Yeah. So it, to me, it's kind of yeah. It's like it's, I can't say I'm like coming home to go, to move here. Yeah. That would be to offend you. <laughs> you are home, but it feels like a it feels like a, a brilliant place to be. For me. Yeah. Really, and yeah, I, I think of and especially London with all the layers of history. Yeah. The, that's so exciting to to try to write about and. I mean, one who did that incredibly good was Sebald. His book about yeah. uh, the rings of Saturn was walking. That's Norfolk, isn't it? Yeah. That's kind of the perfect book about being here, I think. And he was German. And yeah. I'm not comparing myself to him at all. But yeah. it just uh, when I read him, I, I just want to write, you know, because it's, it's so there's a depth to it. And, yeah. and it's uh, compelling and interesting always. Yeah. Yeah, and that shows it is possible to be a foreigner writing about England. Mm. Well, we all, um, reading my struggle, we know you've lived in Sweden for a long time. Yeah. Do, you, do you miss Sweden now? Or are you happy to? And <laughs> uh, no, I don't miss Sweden. Uh, I do, uh, we have a house there and I do miss the landscape there and, and, and the village we lived in and and yeah, and I, um, but I don't miss it because we are there occasionally. Right. Uh, so I do like it very much, but it's kind of the opposite of uh, of here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just just a village with two hundred people and, yeah. and countryside. That's... And um, do you think you've finished writing about your own life you know, in the in the my struggle way? Is that? That's uh, yeah. That's, you don't think you'll get yeah. the urge again? No, I don't really. Uh, one thing is that it is incredibly hard, and another thing is that I've done it, uh, and there would be no point of doing it again. Um, and there's no challenge to it because also I found a way to do it, and, right. and yeah, yeah, but I can do it. I know I can do it. Um, but I, it's so much more challenging for me mm. to do this yeah. uh, and to see what happens there. So you, part of setting out on the book is, is you're thinking, how can I challenge myself to do something new every time? Yeah. yeah. 
because it's not necessarily to do something new, but it's uh, when I write, I have to not know. Mm. I have to start somewhere where I, where I don't know. And, and so the book is a way to look for something, to find something. And it's always has, it's related to meaning somehow. Mm. Uh, and if you know, if I know, then there's no joy, then there's no fun, then there's nothing to discover. Mm. So that's also why writing for me is the same, because it is, it is looking for something, you know, <laughs> in many different ways. But it's like, a, it's, yeah, it's like a constant, constant moment somehow. And I wonder also, because my, my struggle, much of the territory it covered, you know, it's quite a bad period in your life or many bad periods. Um, and now from what I read now and what, what you've said in interviews, you seem happier and more settled now than you were maybe 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Um, so maybe it wouldn't be as interesting now to, <laughs> to write. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's uh, it's true that uh, writing about happiness or writing about, you know, it's... Um, it's no joy to read. Uh, I tried in this book to write about a good person. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, good throughout. Uh, that doesn't put herself first, but, mm. but actually the others mm. first. And that was a challenge to try to get mm. alive just because it's, it, there is something, there is something interesting there, I think. Mm. I don't know why it is like that, but it's, uh, but I think the best book in that sense is, of course, it is by Dostoevsky, mm -hmm. where the good person kind of knocks everything out, yes. and and it's the what happens around him. That's that's the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Of course, you could you could write about that. I mean, I, yeah, of course. But I I don't feel the urge to do it actually. That was another theme of my struggle. It was about you wanting to be a good person and taking that seriously but it's yeah. not that easy so obviously you admire someone who can be good yeah i do i think that's uh i've always done that actually or or people that you that you know if you are in a, in a lifeboat you're coming and, it, and and he won't so she won't throw you out yeah you know that kind of person yeah it's uh yeah yeah, I, I do. I do admire good writers and good people. I think. Yeah. Meaning, I'm not either myself. Yes. <laughs> that's the. That's the. Yeah. The, the clue. They don't always cross over the good people and the good writers. Sometimes, but not not always. Yeah, I think that's a good point. That's one thing about writing. My struggle is that people, they they feel they really know you, yeah. and it's, yeah, you, know, you might disagree. They don't know everything about you, um, but. It's, you know, for someone, you're quite a private person, but you, people feel they have some right to know about your life because of that book. Yeah, it should be like this. You know, I'm, I'm giving myself away in books and, and that's it. Yeah. But it isn't because mm. people have always, since this book started to come out, and that was the big change in my writing. It was, mm. it was that people, they weren't actually interested in my writing. They were interested in... Um, something that related to themselves and they want to talk about themselves uh, and that is kind of the greatest gift to any writer i think and and it it's, isn't like you can 
Of course you can, I mean, but you, but you can't just shut down and because it, if it means something, then it means something. Mm. I remember one time uh, abroad doing a reading and someone's coming over to me, you know, crying <laughs> and her brother just died mm. and, and wanted to, that's kind of situations I never have been in. Yeah. There was a sense of some sort of confidence or some yeah. sort of, you know, and what do you do? I, I don't know. Mm know anything of this but but that's through literature and it's there is a sense of connection and yeah. so you can't can't just say yeah i don't can't of course i do that i'm more i don't do that much events anymore mm. and and actually try to stop to talk about my struggle in interviews because i've done it for 10 years yeah. but still it's it feels like yeah it's it's weird it's mm. it's not quite just a literary book it is something more for some people, and then, yeah, it feels like it's somehow alive in a way, and and that's mm. the best, I think, thing for a book to happen, and it mm. happened yeah. some cases in with these books, and so now I'm not bothered by it. I'm not. Yeah. It's not like I think, oh, can't <laughs> I stop or asking me about that? Or yeah. it's it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't think about that book anymore at all myself, but. That's what happened. I mean, you have asked a few questions about it yes, already. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, well, I'm sure our audience um, it may have had a similar effect on them. Um, and they've sent us a few questions. If you have any more questions out there, please do submit them now. But um, uh, we've got one here from Katie Zitsko, who says, uh, thank you for an amazing conversation. What an inspiration you are. Uh, and she she's wondering if there are any topics you're still afraid to write about. That's a good question. I'm not really but there's something that's difficult to write about of course but um no it's not i mean i, I do write about what interests me and it's not like <laughs> oh i'm interested in that but i can't really write about yeah. it so no not really um alia says it's a very high priority question um to keep with one of uh, favorite Paris Review interview questions of all time. What is your smoking status as of now? <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm still 
on the, what do you say on the brink of quitting yeah yeah so i'm still smoking <laughs> had you given up in the past have uh, yeah i did i stopped for one year completely and yeah. it was great and then just one cigarette and then mm. back on it and edvard asks uh well we touched on this in the first my struggle Sitting at the airport, the protagonist reflects upon how the place one writes literature impacts the style of the writing. So as you wrote Morning Star in London, he asks, can you feel London in the text? Can the reader? Or... That I can't answer. Uh, I don't think so. Um, no, it's very much me imagine my home... Mm country and kind of and the, the the difference between fiction and memory is not very mm. big for me yeah. so it's kind of a making uh uh norway that never have exists and kind of go in there and 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 write uh, yeah do you think it's easier to write about somewhere if you are not there yeah is, definitely just... definitely it is uh, that's why it's hard to write, for instance, about London. But, but the advantage is when when you when you come here, you see things afresh, and and that sticks with you the way you see things. And so that's a way to enter it. But uh, but uh, no, I don't think London is present in that novel in any direct sense. I mean. Okay. Now, um, Ben asks: Is it difficult to go on, say, doing interviews? given what the public knows or thinks they know about your feelings about them. So you just touched on this, really, but um, are you aware of sort of what the public thinks of you when you're giving an interview? Or? No. No, I, uh, not when I'm writing. Mm. Uh, actually, I try to stay out. I don't read reviews. I don't read interviews. Uh, I completely stopped with that many years ago because it's like an invasion. And who is inviting you? Yeah, yourself. Mm. And that's, uh, that's not very healthy. Um, so, uh, and even when I, you know, meet people, I never think that they might know anything about me. That's mm. some, I don't know how that's even possible, but I do. Mm. So it's kind of a com- constant denial of facts yeah. and, and then it's fine. Yeah. But it's very important when it comes to writing, not to think for me about how people will think or, or what I would expect or anything, because that's a restriction and that's a that's one part of making it less alive, I think. Thank you. So now um, Adam asks, uh, so you've described the Swedes as cyclopes. How would you describe the British or do we have to wait and see? <laughs> we have to wait. <laughs> oh, yeah, you have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was an essay, wasn't it? You, you yeah, it was an essay. Swedes, they're sort of monovision, I guess, because well, you can tell us what you meant. Yeah, well, uh, that was uh, that was the only kind of angry essay I've ever written. I think that was that essay. It was a response to to some <laughs> to some views on, on what I've been doing. No, the thing was that there there was even when I came to Sweden, which was like. 17, 18, nine, even 19 years ago, it was a sense of that there was something that you couldn't say. And if you mm. said it, you were being ostracized. Yeah. And and then it was like one thing, really, that you could say. And then there was something in the margins you 
you couldn't. And if you were a writer, you, you lost, you didn't get any stipendiums. You, you know, it was like, what is this? Uh, and that's the, that's the uh, figure with one eye, is this. But that this, that can change. It could be, then it could be that, and then it could be this. But it's a very different mentality. Uh, and now it's dangerous to generalize widely like this. Yeah. But 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 in in Norway, which is is uh, is a is a very different society in in that respect. That's just it's not a major thing. It may exist, but it's not a major thing. So that's why I wrote. But but every time I do an interview in Sweden, that's right. what I have to <laughs> have to justify somehow. Yeah. Um, but I never get got so many letters ever as I did oh, after really? that uh, yeah. article. Uh, so that was very interesting too. It was like, but it was very. I, could, I, I think I could say it because I was Norwegian. Mm. Then, I, then you are kind of well, he's Norwegian, and you know, mm. it's I'm not taking that seriously as I would if I was a Swede. And, yeah, and, yeah. But, but, but it's, it is an interesting thing with with that kind of culture and nationality and. Because it is, of course, incredibly complex. Mm. Um, but what I was really relating to there was the the, the sphere of newspapers, um, yeah. the cultural sphere, and that's not Sweden. That's mm. a tiny part sure. of it, you know. Um, when you say you got lots of letters, were they agreeing with you? Were they angry? Was it a mixture? It was no angry letters. Uh, it was uh, many Swedes abroad that probably had... <laughs> had left the country who, who wrote about their experiences uh, with this. But I think, yes, as you say, it's a small part of Sweden. Exactly. It's not the real thing. It's a bit exactly. like the culture wars here. You know, it's a small part. Exactly. The UK. Um, but yes. So, so there's nothing about the UK that's made you so angry so far that you've written an angry essay. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, not really. It feels like here it's possible to have several thoughts in the head at the same time uh, much more uh, but that's you know it's I was also very angry when I wrote it and it has to be taken into consideration <laughs> I can't really sit there and do Swedish bashing because I don't feel like that yeah. I do like the country too you know yeah so we have uh a question here from Jesse uh, I'm wondering if in Morningstar there is any conscious influence from other books, possibly from high modernism, uh, like Ulysses or Mrs. Dalloway, that represent many characters experiencing the same thing or the same day. Just any any influences? Um, yeah, uh, um, it was funny, uh, but I'd, the great thing about Joyce uh, is that he that everything takes place on the ground mm. in the moment mm -hmm. and the arc of, you know, history or ideas or whatever is only seen through kind of glimpses and, and bits and pieces here and there. And it feels very, very real. And so the experimentation with forms and all, all kind of, uh, you know, um, goes into that. Mm. And, and Miss Dalloway is... Um, it's also very much the sense of a life in a day. That's more like that than in Joyce, because mm -hmm. jo yeah, yeah, but still. And that has influenced not only this book, but the whole way of thinking about literature. Mm 
what it is and, and also what it is to be and what, what the relationship we have with idealism or, or politics or aesthetics or whatever it, it's present it's not present in the moment it is present like you know bits and pieces and you can get the impression that it is part of us you know, that it is like actually like a movement or that it, that it all hangs together but in the moment it doesn't mm -hmm. and I think that was such an achievement in that period from those two and, and several others also to do that and the way you know just the way Ulysses are present or Dante is present or yeah it's um, but it, it, my writing doesn't look at look like it at all but it's just um, the approach almost yeah. that's that I do relate to mm. I think I suppose every writer who's come after them has that influence in in some ways yeah I think so and then yeah um, and I think you've talked about other influences um, popular fiction on this book uh, Dracula I think you yeah said yeah Dracula has always been uh, um, a huge favorite of mine since I read it as a very young mm. person and then I've read it basically through my life and it's not that it's incredibly well written it's not Joyce <laughs> or Virginia Woolf but it's it has something it captures something mm. that still intrigues me really and it is very um, suspenseful and yeah and all, all of that and and it and it crosses some boundaries that I'm interested in which has to do with life and death mm. and, and yeah so that, Nothing in this book looks like Dracula, but it is kind of, yeah. the, oh, it's the same thing, it's the approach that's, that's there. Now, Katie asks, uh, what is it like to read your book in English and do you ever write in English? Thank you for that question, uh, because then I can do what I should have done at the very beginning, to mention that it's, it's translated by Martin Aitken, uh, and he has done a brilliant job. And the thing is, I never read translations normally, because I think the translator has to get it, the whole thing. And if he or she doesn't, then it doesn't help to change anything, or it's, it's the feeling. But in this case, I, I asked to read it when he was halfway through, because there are so many characters, there's so many yeah. things that can, can go wrong. And I started to read it. And the thing is, to me, it was like reading it in Norwegian. It was like... Just after a few minutes, I was kind of in it. And that's, uh, yeah, that's, I don't know how it's even is possible because it's the tone that's, mm. that's, uh, that's present. Uh, um, writing in English, um, well, I do write, you know, emails, but I could never write uh, a book in English. Mm. No way. It's, it's completely out of reach and will be for all future and all. <laughs> because Writing to me, it, it's 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 so um, subconscious. Can't think, and when I write English, I have to think, have to you know, drag some word up or look in, yeah. look in the, yeah, for words, and, and then I can't write. Thank you. Um, we have a question from anonymous. Uh, music always features prominently in your writing, and the characters in Morning Star listen to a wide variety of contemporary artists. Did you think a lot about what kind of music your characters would listen to and what does it say about them? So, yes, the, we, we learn a lot about their musical tastes. Yeah. Uh, at least one musician as well, one of the characters. Yeah, they're very kind questions, this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was very important, actually. Uh, and 
Having finished that book, uh, I made a playlist for all of the characters, and they are online. Um, so you can actually go and listen to what they are playing. And it is, uh, you know, I mentioned I wanted a book like a choir, but I also wanted like music to kind of run through it somehow, uh, at least for some characters. Uh, and one thing is that, you know, music is very joyful. It's, it's, uh, it's one of the things that almost is pure joy. You listen yeah. to it and it's, it's, it gives you something, lifts you up. And it's one of the things that you can talk with someone from that you don't know from you know a completely different yeah. part of the world yeah. you could just mention some artists and you have a connection you know uh, so that was yeah and it was fun i mean making finding out what the what the 20 year old girl would listen to yeah. that was fun and i had and listened to that music yeah. then yeah. when i was writing and it, and it and it yeah and it has a lot to do with identity what you listen to you know yeah. and, and yeah. especially in that age maybe and uh, on the same theme, Kat asks, is music important to you as you write? Uh, do certain albums or singers infiltrate into your work? And she also asks, does living in London have a certain soundtrack for you? So I don't know about that, but uh, do you listen while you... Yeah, yeah I always yeah. listen to music. Uh, always done it. Um, constantly. I can't... Uh, it's hard for me to write without music. Mm. And I do listen to what I do. I do listen to... Um, Often it's only one album for a, for a book, maybe two or three, but it has to be repeated every day. The same songs, the same albums. That creates kind of a safe space, a familiar yeah, space, okay. you know. So you could yeah. go in there and, 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 and it is a familiar space and then you can write however you, you're not far away from home because it's, mm. it's, you're surrounded by it. And so it, it's very much, it's not, it's, yeah, like one novel is pure iron and wine. One novel is um, one lamp shop album. It's um, this one was very much Father John Misty. Right. There's a lot of American stuff, yeah. really. But I, but I, I said uh, British music in the beginning here. That's that's where I feel like I, I come from. It ended up in Americana, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry, we forgive you. <laughs> Uh, and Kat also asks, does anyone know where we can find the playlist? Maybe she, yeah, it's yes. uh, on uh, called the morning, the morningstar.no. Okay. And you've got a lot of artworks and photographies and, and lots of stuff there, uh, which also is fun. It's made by the designer of the Norwegian book. Um, yeah. Great. And one last quick question from Anonymous. What's the best UK supermarket? Are you a Morrison's man? <laughs> we, oh. we know you spend a lot of time in supermarkets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I used to local supermarkets and there's no choice really. It's Tesco and Sainsbury's. Okay, right. No endorsement, <laughs> just... <laughs> no. Um, Carl, Does this question mean something uh, other than uh, I thought not, maybe? Not that I've got... Maybe it's just, you know, you spend such a lot of time queuing, yeah, queuing in supermarkets. I'll be writing about yeah. it. So. Um, so you're a supermarket connoisseur maybe <laughs> behind it. But uh, I think we've come to the end of our time, sadly. But Carl, thank you so much. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, anyone who likes your books will love this. Uh, but also, as you say, doing something different. Uh, it's, it's really good. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for watching. Yeah, and thank you very much. Questions. Thanks for listening. 
To find out more about London Review Bookshop events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.